peace, namaste, and shalom. Everybody out there in dreamland, I am the beyond top secret Texan. Join me on my podcast, the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast, where I explore the outer limits of human abilities, top secret military technologies, the reality of extraterrestrial Earth alliances, secret space wars, advanced cryptozoology, subjects of theosophic truth, esotericism, and the occult. Beyond the Top Secret Texan Podcast. Greetings, everybody out there in Dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron, and a friend sharpens a friend. I am posting this audio, for it is in the public domain, but at risk of censor, because of the profound and stunning truths contained within. I am your host, the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Thank you, every single one of you out there in Dreamland, for tuning in to another broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. We're broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. And it is our pride and privilege to be doing so. The audio in question is Alana Danans, or Elena Denans interview with an Area 51 soldier Stephen Chu who qualifies with his experiences for the title Super Soldier having survived the SSP in this case the Super Soldier program with connections to UFOs, extraterrestrial life activity on Earth, and top-secret military cover-ups and containment, as well as operations within the very shadows of the United States of America. Deep underground military bases. This is one man's life. This is a man's incredible life. His fight out of hell. And his service at Area 51. They tried to wipe his mind, but he survived. and speaks today. This is Disclosure. A soldier speaks. 
Area 51, an interview by Elena Denan. Never before such classified information has been publicly leaked. This is direct disclosure. All of this is real. He is a whistleblower. Time has come. When disclosure is brought, not by the governments, not by the secret services, but by the people of Earth themselves. It is no more time to wait for crumbs of disclosure because the disclosure it is us. Time has come. Born with very special abilities, experiencer with extraterrestrials since a very young age, Stevie brought the attention of the secret services. He tells us in this interview how life led him to work in some of the most terrifying places on Earth. He describes his physical encounters and interactions with alien races beyond your worst nightmares. From the jungles of Asia to the deserts of Nevada, this is the story of a soldier of our times. Steve's voice has been disguised for privacy. Um, I mean, how innocent can you get? However, to not somebody try to kill me. Simple be reason being money. <laughs> Wanted lots of money. So, um, I was hurt, but a being had come and resurrected me right in front of my grandmother. She was so pleased that uh, I was brought back home. My clothes were, my clothes were completely tattered, but I, she could see my body being prepared. Uh, and I was standing straight up, and I'd like nothing happened. So she brought me home. That's the first instance. Second instance was, uh, again, I was poisoned. I was told by doctors that, uh, told everybody, told everybody I'm not going to make the night. Uh, well, this being came down. You know, my took my consciousness or soul uh, by the hand. We were flying over the rooftops. Could see uh, birds, a couple of little doves. Could see my grandparents coming and driving up. And when she brought me back, I related this story to my uh, grandmother. Everybody was astounded because that's exactly what they saw outside. So um, these are the events that my grandmother never let me forget. So as I grew up, <laughs> maybe in a, in a matter of uh, weeks and months, uh, some of these, you know, holy men, like like priests and, and whatever they do a lot of seances with uh, seances and and, and removal of these uh, dark spirits because it's a very common thing back in back in the day 
where I, I grew up, children especially were targeted. All they did was just let me play with the child and the child's clean. That spirit is gone. It's not that I did anything special. It's just an energy thing that I worked with, uh, that, that I guess I carried. And I've done a lot of them, dozens of them. Even the Catholic priests took me in because they couldn't they couldn't handle the uh, uh, the, the spirit that was uh, inv- that had invaded uh, the child. Anyways, I grew up. Uh, I never thought much about it because I just went through life. If I find if I come across somebody uh, suffering like this, I just help them. There were other beings. Think about it now. There were other beings coming to talk to me. They just sat me down, spoke with me. Like I was an adult, even though I was a child. <laughs> but I realized these were not they're not humans, humans. They were they came from somewhere else. Because uh, I remember being small and uh, looking up. There was this huge spaceship right above me. When I say huge, is if you remember the airliners flying by in the sky, the airliner was flying underneath this this uh, ship, and it was just like a little speck of like a little fly compared to the ship. So this ship was massive, and when it went up to the atmosphere, it would just blink in the flashlight and it disappeared. So definitely not, not from this earth. Uh, and come to think of it, there have been many, many smaller ships that come to visit. I had no idea who they were. But they were not solicitous. They were, uh, you know, a bit like the Star Wars type ships. <laughs> Lots of little ones. And I, I, I never thought much about them. And to me, I, I used to make a lot of sketches in my book, in my sketchbook, and uh, the teacher said, stop drawing them because uh, your, your imagination is going crazy. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, I love to, you could say from that, because I was writing and describing a lot of little adventures, I learned to write. In fact, when I was nine years old, I had my first book. How? Because uh, of all these little essays I made and school essays as well, the school principal saw it. So I had written there's this massive diaries and writing stuff. He put them all into a book, bound it, and sent it all out to all the parents in the school. So you see, small kid can write something like that. Uh, in fact, it was used by the country as an example to, you know, that, see, you can write English. No, not because English is bad. It's whether uh, you, you want to focus time on it or not. Anyway, as I grew up, uh, you know, I, I used to travel. I used to go into the forest and jungle. I did a lot of hunting myself. <laughs> Only hunt for, you know, fishing, whatever it is. Just enough for food. 
and uh, people were really astounded that I could even hunt a deer. What age were you? Uh, maybe my young teens, 12, 13 years old, I was doing that already. And um, by the time I was 14 or 15, I was, I was taking people into deep jungles uh, on ecotours. You know, don't take people, don't take pictures of tigers, elephants, giant snakes, uh, whatever. We, we went to, we ran to some, uh, some fantastic adventures, <laughs> tell the <it> truth. <laughs> um, and by the time he came for my military days, I mean, everybody in, in, in where, where I came from had, you know, had, had to go to the military. I, I did think myself as being extraordinary or anything like that. In fact, I was so ordinary when I got in there. I met some people outside. I didn't know who they were at first. They, they, they had me tested and they went to set, they, they said, okay, they want to send me to uh, to a university in London, England, to get some special qualifications. I said, okay, but first we have to do an IQ test. Would you believe I had to do four do it four times? Four times. Four times. Because the first time they just said, okay, okay, we can't ascertain your IQ. Second time. Uh are, it's not enough because we gotta to send to you a higher to a higher one. And third one they said they can't ascertain it yet. And the fourth time they said they never gave me an answer. The next week. Six officers from the uh, Prime Minister's office came and grabbed me. Prime Minister's office, yes. Yeah. Could instantly, my instantly my life isn't in mine anymore. <laughs> wow. Could you tell for the audience um, which country or area of the world it was for better uh, understanding? It was, okay, that would be Singapore. Singapore. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, it, the reason why is because uh, I had a type of IQ that was only Mensa only identified 11 before, but I was the 12th one. So instantly this Prime Minister wants me <laughs> as his asset. <laughs> Can you imagine that? So my life wasn't mine anymore, really. Uh, for the next 10 years, I was in the military, special forces. Yeah, I became a sniper. I also had other talents, right? Like, like, like the hunting and all that. I was just a little unusual. Not quite, not quite a normal human. And also, I developed a kind of, um, there's something unusual. See, when I was growing up, as a kid, I had ability to use a sword. Never been taught, never been trained, but I had ability to use a sword. A swordsman. I was very, very good at it. I even had a kung fu teacher that said he wanted to teach me. He says, okay, hit me. 
I said no. He insisted, so I did, and uh, never heard from him again for the next hour and a half because I hit him on the head. I mean, I was only what, eight or nine years old. And, and uh, you know, that's very, very embarrassing for a guy like that. <laughs> but uh, anybody else, uh, even if it's four or five people uh, attacking me, you know, the sticks in, replace, in place of, uh, of a sword, None of them could come anywhere near me, right? Uh, I was extremely good at it, so I had no idea where this came from. Mm. It's like it's like genetic memory. Yeah. And also, life. and also, I had developed the a tremendous amount of strength. Like I was maybe eleven or twelve, but I had a strength of an adult. Felt stronger than most adults at a, at age. You know, the, the people who live lift a barrel, barrel full of uh, rocks. One one person can't do it, you need two. I could do it myself. Right? Um, at that age, which was quite scary because I didn't look big. I wasn't huge. I didn't look very strong, but I was. Anyway, um, that helps in the military. And because of the where I was, who I was actually when I started finding out, the one of those old people was actually my biological grandfather. He owned the bank. Okay. So this is where he taught me uh, banking. I was also a banker at the same time. Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, at, at the higher level, not not the uh, not the bank teller, but actually a bank officer. And so I know what banking is internationally. And the prime minister's okay with it because you know, he wants super intelligent people around him, especially when he's dealing dealing with money. So I, I have been sent on many many missions. Uh, I was given a lot of authority over many 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 things. So um, being a PM, the Prime Minister, you could raise my rank anytime you wanted. I was raised to the rank of Colonel. Of? Colonel. Colonel. That's at the age of 21. That's the... Uh, nobody else in the world has that rank at that age. Yes. The young, youngest ever. But then I, I carried myself very well. Spoke very well and spoke to our businessmen. Nobody questioned me about anything. <laughs> but also, uh, they also know that in the military, any crazy missions, <laughs> guess who goes? <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> and I was given charge of um, holding back uh, having a contingent of um, military to, to hold back the, uh, you know, the Kamal Rouge over in uh, Thailand yeah. borders, because they're always encouraging, encouraging. And it's what people, they have, they have a huge army there. 
And if they ever cross, nothing will stop them. You know, uh, the whole region will, will be under their control. Anyway, I, there was one time when they, they start, started making an attack. I, I won't go into details of what it did, but um, even though we had a very small contingent, uh, we did we did turn back the entire army. If they had continued, we were gone. But you see, all our weaponry were completely used because our force is very small. But we managed to wipe out the air force. We wipe out the the floating assets. We wipe out their uh, the, the 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 hardware, the cannons, and all that. So the rest of the army turned around, thankfully. But if they knew what we had left, <laughs> they would have continued. Because uh, our guns, our main guns, we only had one shell left. One. <laughs> Can you imagine that? We fired everything out, we already had one left. <laughs> our helicopters were completely dry. We had no more missiles, nothing else. The idea of how to attack them was given like, like the plan to do it was just like somebody up there gave me the plans and I had an answer in within 30 seconds of what to do because I had no time to, to wait. I had no time to ask for permission for anything. Just go ahead and do it. Somebody told me. Something told me. And uh, of course, the the king of Thailand was extremely grateful, <laughs> grateful enough to give us a, a bank uh, brunch <laughs> over in Bangkok. <laughs> it was fine. Uh, there were many, 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 many uh, adventures. One that related to no, okay, uh, ETs. Let's get back to ETs. Yeah. This is very interesting. They have been used for assassinations. Like uh, sometimes Singapore is used as a destination for world leaders to come and have a platform and speak. Right? But we're always on the lookout for assassins. And uh, former prime ministers like uh, Benazir Bhutto, the lady in Pakistan. I was assigned to protect her. So me and my team were protecting her. And we were told that by MI6, British, and CIA in, in uh, from USA, they, they said there was an assassin. They each knew of an assassin that would come and try something. True enough, they, they did show up, but it was a thrill. Okay, uh, no, maybe I, t- I said I was a sniper. Okay, but the, the sniper gun I use, you really can't use it in the city because it's a 50 caliber and carries explosive shells. You will blow through a tank armor. <laughs> It's a special type of weapon. 
do carry another one, a handgun, which is uh, has an expanded gas chamber. So we, we sometimes call it the urban sniper. It's a handgun, but has the power of a rifle. So um, we shot the first two. Didn't kill them, just shoot them, got them. They were humans, except the third one wasn't. The third one was uh, a little way off on the street, getting ready to fire to shoot the this uh, former prime minister of uh, Pakistan. I noticed, you know, being being a hunter in, in the jungle, he noticed things. So I could sense him, find him. He realized I, I, I had seen him and he started running. I shot him six times, would you believe? Regular bullets do not penetrate his skin. I don't know what you're going to say, Paul. Right? And he ran very, very fast. But I, and I told my uh, guys, my my on my team, the rest of my team do not apprehend him because I, he's something unusual. I caught up with him and I give him a choice. Surrender or die now. <laughs> I switched over the bullets <laughs> to, to armor piercing now. And if I used it I would be dead. And got a little closer found his skin was a bit scaly. Okay, he looks like a human from distance, but you get close. He had very thick, darker skin and scaly. It's a hybrid. Human reptilian hybrid. So that made him extremely strong. And he had one more ability. He could uh, hypnotize the person standing in front of him. And under his arm, he had another claw for fighting. So we arrested him, but uh, you know, when we handed him over, we had no idea where he went. <laughs> you know, secret stuff. But that wasn't on the only. Uh, First, only time I've, I've, I've come across a reptilian. Uh, I was in the air base. And there was a time when the Prime Minister Singapore was being forced, uh, was being asked to do many things that he didn't want to do, bad for his reputation. I noticed. When I was walking by on a patrol, or just not on patrol, but I was just walking by. This fenced up, non secured area. They had this, you know, pet liquid, liquid, liquid petroleum tanks, giant ones. They, they, they supply power, uh, this gas to households and, and, and the airport and all that. So I was wondering who the, the person was. So when confronted one of these things. And he pulled out a gun, I had to, to take the gun away from him because 
in that situation you can't fire anything, otherwise the whole thing blows up. So I had another hand-to-hand combat with these guys. He wasn't uh, easiest, easiest guy to take down. Uh, but I did eventually. And then the whole abyss was locked down and uh, to search for these fellas. I brought in my team and they, they, they grabbed him and then cuffed him. I, I told him, told my team, don't just use ordinary handcuffs. You know, those, uh, we got to use those heavy prison ones. Yeah, These guys are incredibly strong. Again, he vanished. <laughs> yeah, uh, after being arrested, he vanished. So, so reptilian human hybrids are around. They're, they're not uh, just uh, imaginations. They're they're real. You think they were working for uh, the government there or special? No, somewhere else, somewhere else, somewhere else. No, certainly not, not ours. And um, there was a third, in, there was there two more instances in Chile. One in Indochina, where the uh, Thai people, the Thai soldiers were scared after they said there's a demon running the place. I know that the case is about um, Drugs and CIA. They they send the one SAS squadron to try and quell something there, but the team never came back. I was asked to go inside and investigate. I did, and it was run by the, what they call the demon. It's the same thing, the same hybrid. Human, human, reptilian hybrid. This guy, well, we, you know, my team are all snipers, very, very good ones. We can hold back a thousand people, a thousand men. If they are, say, a kilometer away, we can hold them all back. They can, they can come up forward. We take them all down. If they're close enough, then they'll get us. <laughs> But when they're far away, we have time to get them. So, um, that leader was uh, so-called surrounded. What he did was he pulled out his you know, old-fashioned sword and uh, challenged me to battle openly. <laughs> so I did. We had to carry him out minus his leg. Minus one arm, minus one leg. You know, he, 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 like, like, like a wild animal, we put him on a stick to carry him out. <laughs> and you know what? He didn't die. It's incredible, these, these things, these creatures. They're very resilient, yeah. Difficult yeah, to, to and, and by the time brought up, brought up there, the, uh, the the police, when they saw him, they just ran away because they said he's a demon. He was just screaming. Can you describe him a bit more? Human-like. Again, very, very human-like. Uh, heavier stature than uh, normal humans. Thicker, thicker bodies, thicker arms and all that. 
very strong. The legs are a little bit more extended. So they move incredibly fast. Um, it's like they can sense your next move. You see, I the training I had, the fighting, you can sense me because I don't think. I don't think about the next move at all. It's, I'm thinking probably three or four moves ahead. So you can counter that one. <laughs> you can literally counter the next move. And you think I'm going to reach that third or fourth move? I won't. I may not. I may, I may deviate again. So, so I was trained that way, differently. I'm fighting with energy, very different. The scales, again, tough as hell. Very, very tough uh, scales. You hit it and you find that you, you, you're hurting me. <laughs> you hurt your hands. <laughs> and regular bullets, do not, like I said, do not penetrate. It, it sticks there. You can pull it out. So you need um, armor-piercing bullets to get through this, through underneath. Yeah, so that my, the question I would have is how do you, what is the best way to kill them efficiently, quickly? I would, I would say slash the, the, the necks. Okay. The under the necks here, it's uh, rather softer. Okay. Right, because they, they, it has to move and breathe, but it's rather softer. Otherwise, the rest of the bodies are incredibly tough. Even the torso. Um, I've no this human this human hybrids. They do not have a tail. I've seen real sea cars. They do have a short tail. Um, this one's had no tail at all. Yeah, there was another incident in uh, there was this time it's in Japan. They had no idea what was going on in our country. It turned out that uh, there were four, three of these guys killing people there in the country. Hundreds and hundreds of people were killed. So you, you the the but you were shut down completely. Caught one of them. Called one, the other two escaped. And I noticed they were using a grey saucer ship. Oh. Okay. And they took off. Nothing you can do about that. We caught this, this first one. And they were very surprised that I, I sneaked up on them. Because normally they would sense uh, somebody coming. You saw them beaming into the ship or? going into the, the Climbing ship? Climbing into the ship. So the ship had landed? Had landed. Ah, the ship was landed. Okay, so discoidal uh, grey saucer? <clears throat> yeah, so grey type saucer. Same sort of saucer as in Area 51. Um, about sea cars, but where did I see them first? One, there's only one time. Out in Malaysia, West Malaysia, no, West, uh, East Malaysia, 
is very mountainous. It's a very forested, mountainous area. And the people were complaining that the children were going missing. And again, we were asked to investigate. So me and my team, seven, we went to investigate. Boy, were we ever, were we ever shocked. We came to a place where there was a mountain with a huge cavern underneath. Huge, when I say huge, it's a plate can fly into it. But as we approach, I, I know, you know, I, I noticed uh, something moving. And a sea car came out and challenged us, yelled at us. Can you imagine our shock of being this about nine feet tall? Sharp teeth, <laughs> like a reptilian face, growling at us, wearing armor. <laughs> you know, dark skin, dark, very scaly being. And his legs, you know, it's like extended. There seems to have another joint. So he has extremely long legs, actually. So he looks like a very, very powerful being. And he took out a gun, his gun. It's an energy weapon and just fight, fight at a rock. And, you know, the rock just blew up. It's not a small rock either. I mean, it's like, like, it's, the rock's about two meters across, but it just blew up right up. What was the, this gun? Was it an energy beam or? Energy beam, yes. Yeah. So instantly, being, being the soldiers that we were trained to be, <laughs> we took off. <laughs> to cover right and then more of them showed up and started firing so we fired back uh, but my guys were just complaining can't get them at all they keep bouncing around because the more before you can squeeze the trigger they, they got out of cut off a position, we couldn't fire, we couldn't figure them at all. Regular rounds, anyway, regular rounds didn't do anything to them, well, we didn't care. We just stood, they just stood there, let the bullets hit them and bounce off their armor and their bodies or whatever. They just wasn't afraid of us. Uh, that was until I used my gun, because of the, uh, I switched the uranium rounds explosive rounds and that made them duck a bit because th those rounds will kill them. However, they move so fast, we just couldn't hit them. But we did carry one more thing. <clears throat> I did carry one more thing because I'm authorized to do that. We had a bazooka-like uh, weapon that fires not the bazooka, not the regular bazooka. The warhead is actually what we call a neutron device. Oh. Okay, it's nuclear. Nuclear? Yeah. Okay. Carry one of them. I don't, <clears throat> something I don't use because it's dangerous. Yeah. But in that situation, we fire one in. We fired the, the, the device into the uh, an almighty blaster. 
and we ran, we ran for dear life after that. <laughs> because I mean, we were, we were completely outgunned by those these uh, guys. Their weapons were just incredible. You can't hide behind anything. They, they just keep blowing it up. <laughs> you know, big rocks are just blowing up. Anyway, we ran, ran, and ran, and ran, and <clears throat> didn't stop. But we did see, we did send uh, a recce helicopter, helicopter uh, search the next day. We found that the mountain had uh, compressed, collapsed, hmm. and there was no more, no more stories about. Uh, Using children for that. So, what do you think happened? They. I think they abandoned the place. And they collapsed the mountain themselves to block the entrance of the cave. No, I don't think so. It, I think they ran to the bot. They ran deeper inside. Because the the neutron bomb would have collapsed the mountain. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. The blast would be powerful and knock up, knock up the mountain. So they gave up and they ran away, and uh, missing children was finished. Yeah, I guess they 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 they, they abandoned the outpost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were discovered. But that was a very frightening situation because we it took us a long time to get to the ground. Okay, so what the hell did we just encounter? No idea. <laughs> no idea such beings exist. So quite, it was quite frightening at first. Oh, um, there are many, many, many other situations where the other friendly ETs are not, not, not uh, always so, so nasty. <laughs> I would like to hear these ones too, but uh, go on. <laughs> uh, well, friendly as in, uh, you know, the, like the first case where I was resurrected, right? There was another kid, another time when there was this. Uh, oh, I thought it was a whole, you know, a holy man sitting by the river. I, I had decided uh, I had gone fishing. I wanted to go fishing in the river. So I mean, he gave me a shock, and when when he, when he started talking to me, I said, "Oh, I never saw you." <laughs> And he was curious. He was asking about what I thought about this fish. What did I think about that? Little, little things. You know, talking about normal everyday things. And then he gave me a little bit of advice and said, there's more to come in your life. I had no idea what he meant. So he said, be, be prepared. Uh, things didn't go south after that. Uh, got very, very bad. But he says, you will survive it somehow. Okay, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> but what? <laughs> well, at least I was kind of warning it at the time.
When I was a teen, I would regularly encounter crypto creatures, but I wonder if they were actually extraterrestrials. Remember I said I used to stick fight? Well, I used that stick and battled a number of them, usually in the middle of the night. They came to steal animals from our farm. They had claws, and one even had a weapon like a sickle. During military days, I had encountered another kind of extraterrestrial. These were like the gargoyles and had wings. There were three of them which confronted me and my team. They have mind control ability. I ordered my team not to look at them as I faced them. They couldn't control me. People ask me about Area 51. Yes, that's that's how I got there. Yeah, how uh, how did these events? Did... These events I'm talking about, uh, you know, it's it's like in the 80s, early 80s. In the 80s, know, 80s I mean, yeah. yes, but some time ago. Anyway, okay, I I had a, a very special ability. Um, I was tested where they found that I could project gamma vibrations, detectable gamma. You know, you, you have a meter, and they they'll see they see the gamma rays, they see the gamma effect. They they could actually measure it. Gamma waves outside my body. Yeah. Okay. So I I could affect affect things that way. I know what they mean because sometimes I walk by the television set at the time. And the television set goes off. <laughs> Do something funny, you know. <clears throat> so, so since they knew that I had this camera ability, the the there was some. Um, not CIA, but higher secret service people. They asked if I could be brought to Area 51 for testing, for development. When the Prime Minister heard that it was to do with aircraft, he says, okay, but only for two weeks. <laughs> So he landed you to, uh, so you said it wasn't the CIA, it was a secret service you didn't know anything about? No, much higher up, something higher. dark. Yeah, much darker, something something to do with space, whatever. Aerospace developments and whatever. Anyway, I was, I was brought there. And uh, like I said, for two weeks, very intense two weeks. Uh, I was assigned two guards, two human guards. They carried, they didn't carry the regular bullet uh, weapons, they carried uh, energy weapons. 
I also asked them, why, why did you, what do I have to keep the other ETs away from me? And I said, why? I didn't know why, but I could see this. Now that I know that uh, the Grey Alliance are really nasty people, nasty beings, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> The Grey Alliance is the alliance of the Six. The cunning and malevolent Orion group itself, or Nibu, who signed the infamous agreements with the MJ-12 in 1954. Because uh, there are a lot of the little ones running around, and you know, the little androids. And I did see one or two of these uh, mitres. So uh, actually, horrible. They had horrible attitudes. So can you can you describe all the races you've seen there in Area Fifty One interacting with humans? So you said there were. Yeah, mo the most of the interactions are by tele telepathy. Yeah. They, they, they usually have one one assigned uh, officer that is, that is uh, telepathically uh, inclined to, to interpret what these people are trying to communicate. Yeah. Uh, in fact, if there's a scientist there, uh, you have this te telepathic guy <clears throat> uh, with the scientists as well. I, I, outside the Area 51, the parameters, the, the, the security is incredibly tight. Inside is, is more jovial. Some, it's the most fun in there. <laughs> the humans, at least, at least the humans. They have a lot of jokes and fun, they push each other around a lot. And, uh, all, all fun and games uh, stuff when I saw, saw those, those, fly, those, what they call flying saucers. Then I realized, oh, okay, what's this? What's this floating in the, mid, in the air? There, there, was, there was some landed. We start we struts, the grey ones. There's a from I don't recognize but they're floating in midair. And most of them are pretty small. No no bigger than no bigger no bigger than ten meters across. But there was one that was like at least at least fifty meters across. And it's saucer shaped and it's floating, it wasn't touched in the ground. And the beings that go up and down, they uh, this beam thing. <laughs> they stand there and they go up or down. And that's the one we rode in actually, later on. Yeah, 
Yeah, you told me you were aboard one of these. But could you describe the different races that you saw over there? So you said the Mitra, Kili talker? Mitra, I can remember them very well, yes, very clearly. Mainly because of the bloody attitude that we carry. Very, very vicious looking. The ticket seems to be, to be uh, aloof, to stand aloof. They all wear this kind of cover all things. And, uh, the material is very dull bluish type of uh, coat or, or jumpsuit, you know, body covering. Must be, must be some kind of armor type material as well. Uh, the little greys, they weigh nothing, they just run around, stink though. The little greys, they stink, yes, absolutely. You can always tell them before they, they arrive. <laughs> you smell them before you see them. Yeah, it, <laughs> is it the smell like a rotten a bit? That toilet, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it gets just especially bad when there's a bunch of them. A bunch. Uh, it's just a bunch of them in a small room. The humans, what they do is they turn on the, the exhaust fan full. <laughs> and and this, as we speak about them, um, these little small grades. What were their tasks? Do you think they were assigned to certain work there or a certain purpose? Yeah, they seem to be doing the same thing over and over and over. Which was? Uh, yeah, we see them sometimes adjusting pieces of equipment, sometimes uh, assembling some little pieces of uh, equipment, or organizing a panel of some kind and always after that that, that is done uh, a tall grey or, or tomato take over yeah, so they're, they're, they're like little servants yeah okay okay and, and they uh, never smile do you think they could have been like synthetic or real biological beings they seem biological, but I, I, did, I cannot feel any auras from them. I do not see any auras. I have another talent. I have another ability is that I can, I can see auras. Mm. And they have no auras. They are no auras. That's interesting. Yeah. So they were uh, assigned to taller greys, you said, isn't it? Yes. These taller greys were they mitra or Kili or another species? Uh, I don't see any other species. Uh, only those, those, those three. Okay. Can you describe the Kili Tokurt as you, you saw them? Oh yeah, those. Well, like, like greys, but tall, much taller, longer necks, skinny, and the females have very long hair. The color yeah. of the skin, yeah, go on. Yeah, the color of skin is 
I don't know why they call him why it is more like death. Somebody had died. <laughs> death exactly death Carla. Uh not very pleasant. It's like somebody you take somebody a dead person out of a freezer. Yeah. It's there's that sort of it reminds me of a white dolphin. The eyes. Oh, uh, rather tilted, almond-shaped, and very piercing because they, they communicate through te- telepathy. And um, I could tell that they were they were not used to being polite. You know, they say, okay, I want to eat you. Uh, okay, they tell you how to eat you. I want this, I want that. The no face, such thing as please. Yeah, were the face human or they had more like traditional gray face? Uh, elongated. Like, like, you know, you, you, have, you have a Barbie doll and you slap it flat. <laughs> very good picture, yeah. Do you think they... Some people could call them the tall whites, or not? Yeah, um, they were referred to as the tall whites in there. And and, uh, the guys there were, were, the the humans there were very wary of them, because they they like to go into mind control. What do you think the purpose of the Kili Tokurt was of being residing in Area 51? Their work, that job? Well, I think uh, they want, they seem to be <clears throat> doing two things that I noticed. One was some scientists were, were being instructed on building telling them how to, you know, they wanted to build modules or part of a spaceship this way or that way. And uh, telling the, the scientists they want this, they want the engineers to do engineer it that way. Another thing is some of the others will come uh, offer technical advice on but the humans were developing a floating device, for example. So these engineers and scientists are, are being instructed on, on um, the, the energies required. Some were instructing, some were... So I guess it is to do with um, getting Earth resources to build something. And in return, they're getting instruction on technology. Okay. They were residing in the the area 51. They had... Yeah, they had their own, but they had their own area. They had their own area. Yeah. Where, where, was it buildings or underground? Underground. Underground. Okay. They, they prefer... They always prefer living underground. Which so, is very strange. Mm. So, would you say um, they were giving 
instructions and a consultant in alien technology to the personnel of Area 51? Yes. What were they getting in exchange? I think they were... They, uh, I, I can tell you this. I don't know if it's because, I don't know if it's because they're lazy. They don't build industrial stuff. In that industrial stuff is something that Earth does very well. Terran people do very well. They don't. They need somebody to build the, the hardware for them. So they would ask our scientists to develop it for them to the way they want it. Do you think they had a more personal secret purpose to? Oh yes, definitely. Something that they were doing in the undergrounds under the base that humans were not allowed to interfere? Much. What do you think? Much they were, they were doing. Uh, I don't think there were any human experiments down there. Okay. This Area 51 is more mechanical. Okay. <clears throat> uh, in the, you know, in the in development of weapons and such. So, um, what is big? What was a big thing over there was uh, energy emissions. So I mean, so this where the Earth people. Our people try to transfer this technology to their own aircraft, and this is where I came in. So, so, so what they do, and if you notice outside of uh, Area 51, sometimes there's a whole squadron of uh, F-15s sitting outside. They're mostly experimental planes. Um, uh, I can, the little history I had, had with this, uh, what was told of this, they had a lot of volunteer pilots, very good ones, to develop um, fly-by-thought <coughs> planes. However, normally humans do not generate a lot of uh, gamma, gamma projections outside the body. They don't do it naturally. It's inside your brain, you can have it blowing up. But the projectile is not quite normal. So what they do is they inject this pilot with some kind of a serum. The overactivates the brain. And they go flying out and they come back. Do it too often, the brain, the brain turns into mush. Many pilots die that way. The brain just disintegrates. So they were running out of pilots. <laughs> and they didn't want any more of the pilots to die. So they, when they found me, they tried, tried a different uh, way of doing it. So what they did was they trained me to fly a plane. Uh, fly an F-15. got to do it, learn very fast, but I do learn very quickly because uh, like I, I learned to fly a helicopter over, over the weekend. 
So what, what, how was that working? You were in a seat in the plane, and were there electrodes or something? Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> the detail. This crazy helmet. This <laughs> things sticking all over the place. <laughs> okay. And there was a bunch of, uh, of equipment behind. So, so what they've done is they they had ripped out the uh, back seat. This is an F-15F, it's a two-seater. I was sitting in front, I was the pilot, pilot. and the, the co-pilot seat uh, will be ripped out, and all the equipment is there behind me. But I, in the meantime, I was wearing this helmet, this thing sticking up all over the place. Like, like, like a giant virus. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I would take off and land, take off and land. You know, a, lot, a lot of practice flights. And then uh, they put me into maneuvers. How did you just think that the, you think, think the plane So, so initially, initially it was flying by, by, uh, by hand. And later on, I start to use, start to be hands off, and let the instruments take over. But by thought, what advantage that is after a while, not immediately, but after a while. You, you see, when you you're doing it manually, it could take half a second to go through a maneuver and a sequence of half seconds for different maneuvers. So when you're fighting an enemy plane, you're doing maneuvers and all that, you know, several seconds go by. And by then the missile might have hit you. However, if if all of these can be done in half a second combined, what have you got? An incredibly powerful machine faster than anything and anybody can uh, imagine. So that's the result. In fact, I got it down to about 0.2 seconds. Thought it's a lot faster. Like I could roll, roll, aim, fire, and roll back again in a matter of 22 seconds. Or then I can even switch over to a different weapon while I'm doing all that. Which is uh, quite unheard of. There's no, no pilot to do it uh, manually. So the uh, the engineers were really overjoyed that uh, that can be done because they had it on record, right? They say, okay, another plane has, another plane has that kind of record. You can do a lot of things with uh, future weaponry. I don't know, but for some reason they stopped the program. Okay. Yeah, maybe they ran out, ran out of uh, pilots. <laughs> they were killing all the pilots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they better stop. <laughs> well, nothing can stop them. I mean, I don't know the these these people have sort of ethics. Well, a different one anyway. 
but anyway, it was uh, fun. So, so at the end of it all, they gave me a patch to call you know, if you can fly a, what we call F-15 Eagle, that's the plane. So they could say Eagle Driver, a patch for you. <laughs> <laughs> So um, you have um, you have been on board a, a ship, a grey alien ship. Yeah. Tell me about that. All right. We were um, invited. This was not not the uh, grey's idea. It was uh, one of the general's ideas. Won't give me a ride. So the grey's The grey. General wanted to give you a ride. No, no, the grey general was human. The human general, yes. He wants to that the greys give you a ride. Yeah, and uh, see, sometimes they do they do they do take trips, short trips here to there. So I said, okay, sounds like fun. So my guards and his guards. So I mean, there were like eight or eight or nine of us humans going up. Uh, it's kind of a weird feeling when going in that energy thing going up, and it's like you're prickling all over, and you go <laughs> lifted from the ground into the into the ship. Oh yeah, you were lifted by a beam, energy beam, into the ship. Okay. It's a weird feeling. Uh, yeah. And. We were told, okay, this is a seating area. You may sit here and observe the, the grace functioning. But the little the ones? Little, yeah, the little ones are on the panels. I think that there's like, like six or seven of them on panels working. And there was this little good standing right in front, big. Making sure that everybody knows that he's the captain. Uh -huh. yeah, that kind of thing. Um, anyway, so when the, the the ship started to move, it was wobbly, wobble, wobble, wobble. The the <laughs> the couple of little greys and the captain turned on me, looked at me, and said, "Stop it." I said, what? Healy Talkers told you, stop it. <laughs> I said, stop what? <laughs> no, I just looked at him and said, stop what? what? So I wasn't, I wasn't afraid of him what? either. No, 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 my goodness. I said, what? You know, the, the general's laughing, uh, laughing and says, you're not afraid of him either. Why would I be afraid of him? There's a reason why General stopped him and said, well, what's wrong? Is it interfering with our, our uh, controls? Huh? <laughs> How am I interfering in the controls? It's because I'm focusing uh, on the uh, panels and they're sensitive. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so you could, if you have, if you were allowed, you, you could have taken over the ship. And, yes. and 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 um, navigated it. Yeah, because my, my, the the camera projections were, were, for me were very strong. 
I was stronger than they were. Well, so in fact, that's very interesting because um, I heard some sheep, some of their technology, it's just the sheep is plugged, is attuned to the DNA of the, the waves of the, the pilots. But obviously, there are some sheep that are not, and anybody can, that has the ability, can pilot it. So then. Yeah. Uh, this one, anyway. I was surprised. Yeah. I, I said, oh. Okay. Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a big talk. Uh, quite, quite amusing, actually. <laughs> I, mean, I would stop anything. What? <laughs> I mean, I haven't done anything. <laughs> oh my God. What did I do? <laughs> what was their the uniforms, the key little Kurt? They had a uniform? Uh. Yeah, I, I won't call it the uniform, it's more like a coverall. More of a, sorry? More of a coveralls. Cover. They're wearing on another, instead of wearing a different one, mm. then, then they would be, um, I, I've seen others that come and go from from uh, space coming down. Those are probably the uniforms, but this on Earth, I think it's a different one. Mm -hmm. They wear something different. Is there, have you seen any symbols or um, insignias on their uniforms, all these ETs? Uh, the, 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 um, for these Tilly's people, no, I don't remember the, the insignias. But I do remember the matrix. The, matrix. the triangle with, stripe, with the uh, stripes. Ah, that's it. Black, a little triangle with three, three stripes? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. They all wear the same thing. Okay. Now, please tell us about the, the Mitra. So, what can you tell us about them? Not a lot, because they were being kept, they were being kept away from me. But they were interested in, in who I was. They did, they, they did ask questions. They did come and pro try to approach. But my guards would point their guns up and I says, go. You don't come any closer. Yeah. Were they... How was their general behavior, attitude, the mitra? Rude. Rude. Vicious. They, they can't answer you without a hiss or a growl, something like that. I mean, think, think of a tiger. Yeah, like a tiger energy, very aggressive, aren't they? Yes, very, very dangerous sounding. Well, I, I can tell from the energy that they were um, aggressive. Were they smelling as well? Some. Some, yes, okay. Uh, it's like a mold type smell. Mold type smell, okay. Were they residing on, on the base? I mean, Probably on the ground. Yes, they also on the base. They had their own spot. Their own spot. Were they getting on with the other greys, like Hilly Tokyo? No, they ordered them. They didn't get. They're not. They're not. They're not. Um, they don't seem like allied or buddies. They just ordered them around. They tolerate each other. Yeah. And very. 
very often they come very close to a fight, actually. Oh, between my trust and Kilito Kurtia. Yeah. Kilita. Not unusual. Not unusual. What do you think were the purpose of the presence of the Maitras in Area 51? With the attitude, I think it's like they came to take something. Take something. Not really good. Maybe there's something they had planned, they had promised to exchange the humans. I don't know. Do you think they were the ones? who made agreements with the government in late 1940s, or you have no idea? I don't think the 1940s, I think more recent. More recent. Do you think they were taking people, using humans? I think so, because they have, they have an attitude of, you know, to, when they, they saw me, they wanted to approach and wanted to know me. Yeah. Why? Without even asking to just come. They want something and they take it, don't they? Yes. And uh, you can see that the guys are ready to shoot at them. Yeah, and I suppose there was, was there an exchange with, I mean, what you said they didn't give anything, so I didn't, didn't give anything. So it was more they were here and nobody had to say anything because everybody was scared of them? People were afraid of them, yes. Afraid of them, yeah. Who owns... And they carried one more thing. One more thing, oh, they yeah, carried yeah. A an energy weapon as well. They had a packet or something. They carried an energy type weapon that is like a bit of lightning. You fire it out. So whoever's at the end of that thing is going to be fried. I saw them use it once on some equipment and they just, because they were unhappy with a piece of equipment, they fried, they fried the equipment. Yeah. Uh, incredible. They had incredible power carrying them. Very impressive. What about um, the interdimensional side of these beings? Do you think they had, have you experienced they had activity on other planes of dimensional planes? Were they able to shift dimensionally or modify the fabric of space-time? Uh, yes, one time. I noticed that the the mitra, mitra? they had their own meeting with uh, a sim from their own people from somewhere else. There was a portal, you know. There were portals. I could see that the, the the room, the area there, they were, where they were. Yeah. Clear air. And then there was this watery-like uh, effect around. Like, and you stepped through it. It's like in the movie Stargate, you would say? 
not quite not quite that elaborate mm-hmm. you can see uh, uh, the waveforms are changing energy changing so they could step back and forth in that I guess this sort of like more, more of this or their beings on the other side there were beings coming through this portal from the other side yeah they came back came tough or something then they went back were they also mitra or another mitra. species mitras as well okay so one time and then it's like okay i'm staying away from you guys <laughs> What about the the different ship? Could you say they had each different type of ship, different shapes? Yes, different shapes. Uh, I cannot really describe exactly what they look like. Um, but using the the grey ship as as a basis, they uh, they actually look very similar. But I, I noticed that the mitra ships have, have a lot more energy. They glow a lot more. Mm. And also you can feel the energy more. You come too close, like you feel that they might fry you or something. Yes, it's the energy field around the ship that you yeah. can't approach. Um, have you learned anything about this technology? how it was working, this energy field, for instance? Very basics, the very basics I did. And that's one more reason why the, uh, the humans keep me away, because I pick it up, because other things are very fast. <laughs> because I have... Um, After this episode, I went back. To, I went back to my base with parts from uh, the old, old aircraft. I developed. Um, I made something that a floating device. Floating device. Yes. Yeah. It, it's small, but it would handle. Uh, I don't know how many hundred times its own weight. And the um, Vatican heard about it and they wanted it. The Vatican wanted it. It was a floating device. Like you think it could be anti-gravity or another technology? Anti-gravity. Anti-gravity. That very uh, very stable. And I mean, I may have made it very very stable. Was it uh, alien tech- alien technology or retro-engineered? Me. I did. You 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 did it. Yeah. You you manufactured this this device. Yeah, I put it back together. I put it together. Please. You put it together. From understanding what was going on, and I put it together. From understanding, from what you saw and you understood from uh, a ship, for instance. <laughs> yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. So, but I wasn't going to let them have it. So I just tore it apart. <laughs> So the someone yes someone from the Vatican 
I know you told me this story before, but I would like you to tell the audience someone from the Vatican. The Vatican heard about this device, they wanted it, they sent someone uh, who tried to get it from you, isn't it? Yes. Uh, for uh, I would like you to say the name of this person because anybody who has read my book, I mentioned this person with Area 51. Yeah, he's Dr. Jenkins. Thank you. So, um, you destroyed, you dismantled this device that nobody could have it. That's right. Would you be able to make it again? Uh, right now, I do not know if I can remember it because I mean, in the meantime, all these years, these years I've had several, I suffered several strokes because of the stress, yeah. the stresses. And, um, you know, much of my memories, I come across situations where my memories are white. It must have been several times because I can, I can feel like, like there were empty spaces in my head. But every, every so often I get flashes of a returning memory, which is wonderful because uh, you know, the holes in your head isn't good. What do you think these holes in your head are due to um, damage from all, all these experiments and work or alien intervention? I think it's alien intervention. Do you think they wiped your memory on purpose? Yes. Who did that? Who did that? I do not know exactly. Uh, my, my guess is I know what, one situation would be from the uh, mitra. mitra. One of them, at least. There's more, I know, on one time. Yeah, they didn't want you to remember what happened there. Didn't want, to, didn't want them to, they didn't want me to remember what happened to me. To I mean, uh, one of them had possessed me uh, recently, attacked me, but I thrown them off with help from friends. It wasn't easy because my, my whole body was uh, inundated with infections. They did that because uh, they wanted to, well, first take down my energy, make me helpless and give up. But you see, I will not give up my mind. No. They, no are still, yeah. they are still bothering you and attacking you since all these years? Yes, they are. Still fighting. But I've learned to fight back um, recently. And I do know one thing, though. I have an ability of hand-to-hand -hand combat. I've never been beat, I've never been uh, defeated in any hand-to-hand -hand combat. They fear you. <laughs> I don't care how big you are. Because, uh, I've always come on top. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are very brave, and um, that is amazing. There was a question before we go on on this subject. Do you think who, who, when you were working at the Area 51, who were your human bosses? I mean, with what institution? Oh, um, that space agency that, that, that the U.S. has um, is a dark. The problem with that one is it's dark. 
also linked to um, the Vatican, okay. which is the part I do not like because I run, I run into situations with the Vatican that uh, I, I really, really abhor. I'm really shocked that they, they do things like that. Like I had a mission with uh, going to Bhutan to save uh, a village with Gurkhas, with a whole regiment of Gurkhas. We didn't know it was the French Foreign Legion working for the uh, Vatican. They were stealing artifacts. But we stopped them. But by then half the village had been killed. Unfortunately. So, um, see, doing all these things, it's no wonder that uh, for decades after they were coming up to me still, trying to assassinate me. Even recently, uh, even when my child was growing up, he tried to kidnap my son. Yeah, but uh, really, you know, you hear the story about uh, trying to kid, trying trying to steal a cub from a lioness. No chance. <laughs> yeah, but for for twenty thirty years, I was I was fighting assassins coming in from nowhere. So life wasn't all that peaceful. So imagine the stress I had to go through. So, yeah. So, since you left Area 51, when you left, were you threatened um, not to speak of it, I suppose? Yes. Uh, ordered not to speak, but uh, the Prime Minister says, talk about it, I want to hear. <laughs> so, you told them. Prime Minister in, in Singapore about your experience? The Prime Minister and the, uh, the IMO military. High military, okay. Yeah, you have to tell them. They're kind of shut up. Yeah. yeah, I'm walking around with that legal, pat, legal driver patch. I mean, everybody wants to know. <laughs> you had you had a patch? Yeah, the, see, once you're pilot of the of, uh, I-15. Oh, yeah. They, they give you a patch while being a driver. That's what I got. I walk around with it. So it's, you know, a lot of people got very, very interested. How did you get it? Yeah, of course. I mean, I also got a Gurkha sword. So uh, that is fascinating. What, what else do you remember um, about? that you witnessed, you saw in Area 51. Okay, yes. Memories do come back. The floors can move. The floor can move. Yeah. Huge slabs can go across. Can be withdrawn. The ships can go down. Sometimes underneath what we are walking, it's a very huge ship underneath. Oh, you mean that the, the floor slides open and the yes. ship go down and there's a facility and then... Yeah. And underneath the tunnels. Yeah. 
by this mountain into this mountain. Yeah. They're all tunnels. There are more tunnels underneath than there are buildings on top. Yeah. And many levels down. Okay. One place I went on 10 levels. 10 levels. Is it, uh, what's going on in these underground weapons, research, technologies. It's mostly mechanical. Yeah. Mechanical, electronics. It's not unusual there are things floating by. Without anybody controlling it. And would you say that um, the aliens are walking around uh, with the people, with the employees of the, the base? No. Um, they have generally their own area. <clears throat> there's a, there's a co-mingling area, where, where, what they call the, the working areas. This is where they co-mingle. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they don't, uh, they don't have that body-body need. Um, relax atmosphere. When they are off work, dangerous. It's dangerous for the humans. Yes, so they're all like they don't like humans, either the Kilitopia or the Mitrais. And we know that that, that, that's really important to explain to the audience. So the Mitrais are there. We don't really know what they do, but they they abduct humans. That's it. They, they, They have, you suspected that they were take working with taking humans but nobody really knows yeah you see, you see that the, the powerful technology they grab somebody nobody's going to know yeah 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 do they teleport people just like this you think i, I think they um, they have an agreement not to do that i think okay because uh, the earth earth they need the earth beings to uh, to build things from them. Ah, uh, yes. So they need to, yeah, not to be too too horrible. I've seen them. I've seen them take modules of stuff, heavy stuff. They've just been created by the, the humans. Delivered to them. They, they carry and go through the portal. And they take it away with them. Uh, I've seen that happen. And the Kilitopiot are there for slave work or mechanical built stuff? What would you say their main uh, purpose of their presence then? R- really to, uh, for us to build things for them. For them, okay. okay. They use uh, un- for... Unfortunately, it's uh, we- military weapons based. I can tell that they might, like, they might be creating some kind of armor or some kind of uh, gun or some kind of a firing module. Like, like you know, if you, if you go to a battleship in, in, on Earth, you see turrets of gun, a turret and gun. They have their own version of it, much smaller. But there, there's a version of it that they put on the, uh, the ships. Have you seen the? Sorry, go on. No, sorry. No, Have you seen the, the the triangular triangular black ship? 
interesting. Yes, they, they had a triangular ship. That's the key. Detail. And they insist, and they insist of keeping that ship underground. Keeping that ship on the ground, yes, yes. That's the, the key little code, isn't it? That had these black triangular ships. Yeah. They like to have it under the ground. Under the ground. Okay, they don't want humans near them. Yeah. They don't want to give the technology. Anyway, uh, they have this energy thing around them all the time. So you, don't, you don't really don't want to approach the, the ship anyway. And whoever human wants to uh, get on board, they have to wear a special suit. Mm, not my cup of tea. <laughs> No. <laughs> well, if they're not friendly, you think twice before getting on board, isn't it? Yes, I, I, I wouldn't get on board with it. Even if the ship is empty, I wouldn't go on board because I think what how they program it. Yeah, you would like to be sure to get out. <laughs> wow, these are amazing. The, the friendly ship, so it's, it's a very unusual ship. It's not even like a ship, it's not like a shuttle. Which ones? Uh, more like a shuttle. Yes. Okay, like, like a small uh, bus. Who used this ship? I have no idea. They, they didn't tell us. Okay. My, my sense is, is from a friendly, uh, from friendly ATs. Oh. It was just, it flows there. Anybody can approach and touch it even. Oh, so it will be a fourth species that you didn't see that would be there using this ship, this bus shuttle, like... I just set aside because uh, it seems that humans don't pay any attention to it. Okay. Which I, I think is kind of surprising because I think my sense is that it's got even higher technology than, than, than the other ones. Oh. Much, much higher. It, it's a very responsible ship. It's conscious. Like it, it, if I approach it, it sort of like moves a little bit, which is um, I found it a little unusual, and you get a sense that it is alive, awake. But I do not know whose uh, ship that is. It may be given to them. Maybe it was given to them, uh, but they didn't make use of it. Or maybe, yeah, maybe they took it from somewhere or captured this ship, and uh, who knows? Maybe, but it's a fr I, but the funny thing is, it's a friendly ship. Yeah, you felt it was from friendly species. Maybe yes. it was captured and brought there. Who knows? It could have been a gift. As a gift. Oh, okay. I mean, if, if this technology is a, is a gift, that's non-nuclear. Yeah. A, a benevolent ET would want you to, fig to, to figure it out. Mm. So, yeah. What, uh, have you heard about some ties between Area 51 and uh, Wright-Patterson Base in Ohio? I heard about the, uh, the underground tunnels. 
Yeah, they want. Okay. And they actually have trains going back and forth. Because sometimes I see a bunch of people in and out and see, but they didn't come up on the surface. Where did they come from? Yeah, that's the, the big web of underground connecting all the, the, the military bases, the dumps and everything. Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't know that, but I did know that uh, it's, it's like human, like human experiments that they have on the ground, uh, Area 51. So it's mostly mechanical, weaponry, energy, digital, and it's lots and lots of computer stuff. Are they working also or mind control devices or things? Mind uh, mind control devices is very, very common. It's like, you know, the offices, the modules, you get a lot of um, robots, you know, sometimes humans, wearing all these, these crazy devices on the bed. And instruments are always running. So is there, is, are they humans walking around with these devices on their head? Not walking around, they, yeah, they, they have to stay inside. They have things and attached to the system. But they do have what you call, you know, the, the space centrifuge when they test, when they train you to take uh, G forces and all the stuff in there. Train the humans. Do you think there are humans uh, that are taken? in space out of world to go to other planets to work with these eating somewhere else? Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I've I've uh, met a few of them that they say they just come back from Mars. Huh? It was like is, is, is that possible? At that time I didn't understand. And uh, so I said I asked them do we ever go back into no they're slaves. They the work at slaves. If they don't work, they get thrown outside and uh, they won't last two minutes. So you met humans, um, military personnel, coming back from Mars? I would call them military personnel. No. They're more like technical people. Technical people coming back from Mars saying that there are facilities there where humans are used as slaves. Yes. And who are the slave masters? Yeah, I asked them that, so they who controls you. Yeah. See, the, the, they told me that there, were, there are a lot of these blue crayons running around with blue guns, okay, energy guns. And, but the scary ones are once in a while, this, this reptilian girl comes around. The reptilians? Yeah, some, some reptilian ones come around. And those are the scary ones. Scary ones. And the little greys work for the reptilians? Yes. Yeah. If yeah. the greys do something wrong, in fact, what, what the uh, reptilians do is sort of rip the heads off.
so so yeah so the humans go are sent to mars to these babies too as basically a slave force slaves to work for them yeah because uh, technically building things humans are extremely good okay okay so the employees humans there the other races are more good for these things so all these um, comedy with Elon Musk and uh, first missions to Mars, it's just a cover-up to uh, make people believe that we are going to build facilities on Mars and one day we'll say, oh, we have built some facilities, but in fact they are here from a long time and it's a trap. Mars is a trap, isn't it? They're talking a lot of nonsense, really. Yeah. It, it, what it told me was that how, how they bring equipment, you know, some, sometimes they require heavy equipment. There, there are places on the earth where it's a, sometimes there's an explosive um, effect and things that can be blown into space. So that's what they do, they put it, put it on special containers to the place to the place on the ocean or whatever it is and let it blow out into space what they do is they, they hook their their ships waiting to hook onto them and grab them and, and bring them to mars do you think what it's that's what they call the jump rooms to go to mars people have told about that uh, there are like places on earth where there are it's like portal and people are just projected, teleported to Mars? Would you think it's the same uh, thing? The general, the general they say mentioned about working, riding the sled to Mars. Um, you transport several people at the same time. But for larger numbers, they need a ship. And most of these um, people, the, the stories they tell me about uh, traveling to Mars on the ship wasn't the most pleasant because uh, those few hours, those few hours riding that ship, uh, life support is in all the great and very unpleasant. And it's dangerous too because if you ever thrown outside the environment of the uh, of the facilities there, you die in matter of minutes. That's why everybody is very compliant. You don't work, you die. Well, you're confirming a lot of things I was told as well. Um, this is quite mind-blowing. Did you did you hear them talking about the moon? Uh, not quite. What happened? 
I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of activity. Why? Uh, well, um, Stevie, you are very brave to tell us all of this. Do you feel safe now? Safe as uh, as I can be because I I've been uh, <laughs> looking over my shoulder for decades. Yeah. You know, uh, this is far as. Do I need any more? No. <laughs> I don't want any more this BS. I mean, what, what, what have I done to, to, to hurt them? Yeah. I haven't. No. And it is the time, you know, when every, everyone speaks now and uh, all these greys are there. Do you think as well as I think that they, their existence on Earth is nearly touching an end? Would you say that too? Uh, I can feel that at last somebody is being able to chase, take a rod and uh, chase them off to the little corners or wherever they're hiding. It's about time because I, I'm really sick to death of these people, these beings. Yeah. They've harassed me for too, so long that um, if I'm part, if I can be part of a doing the same thing as well, I'd be very glad to contribute. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but uh, you can contribute as well. Well, hopefully you would be heard if you can. Somebody think you, you'll be needed and you can contribute as well scientifically with everything you've learned and understood. So it, I think it's only good ahead for everyone and for you especially now. Yes. Uh, and this, this, um, because I know you told me there's this mitra entity that uh, kind of sends, sends like a dog to, to just torture you because they don't want you to remember. But um, you've overcome this creature, you have managed to get rid of it. Uh, take over as incredible as, as it can seem it can seem um, we are more powerful than them we just need to know it uh, even then it was a very very painful experience emotionally and physically it's like I mean they, they have unusual powers as well like trying to rip the soul out of my body you see blood coming out of my torso everywhere where the soul area would be Uh, but I do know that I'm one that never gives up. You won't get, you won't get it out of me. No. <laughs> no, and they, they're going to go anyway soon. So you're, it's good now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for all these informations, all your memories from Area 51. And uh, before I I ask you more cheerful questions, is there anything else you remember you wanted to share? I'm sure more memories will come by, yeah. more, more fine details. 
Robert was being attacked first by a tall, thin shadow being. It came up from behind me at home. I could sense it, and it lashed out with a kick. I could feel hard contact with it, and a terrible, burning pain in my heel. However, that being was sent flying into the wall, where it left a dark imprint with a hard impact. Over the next several months, I was being observed by people in black helicopters. A few weeks later, I woke up one night with some energy dragging me from my chest and torso. I could see and feel my soul being drawn out of my body. resisted regardless of pain and shock. I could see a portal and on the other side were three mater. They wore a bluish type of cloak and gown with typical triangle symbols. I could hear telepathically him telling me that he is just making sure the damage to my heart was corrected. Your soul is strong, he told me. It was then you could see the being. He had no hands like ours but one elegant fingers that are so gentle. I somehow knew that he was a mantid known to be excellent doctors. Oh yeah. Very important. The mitra feeds up your energy as well. They torture me because the emotions of negativity when it's very extreme, they absorb that energy from me. And they get very, very strong because of that. In the presence of deep love, they fall apart. This is You can crucial. literally make them fall apart. Remember that people. Laughter. They cannot, hurt, they cannot hold on to you. They cannot hold on to high energy. They just cannot. It's like it's a fire on, 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 on the fire, the fire on the flower. It shrinks instantly. We destroy them instantly. Very important. So rising your vibration. Yes. Vibrations of love from somebody else too. You back off from it. You cannot touch it. When you they're so afraid of that energy, in fact, that um, I heard it scream one time. I heard this mantra scream one time. So the energy of love and laughter. Yes. Yes, develop that. Every morning, start, and every evening, before you sleep. Have a good laugh. <laughs> I'm laughing a lot more these days. <laughs> <laughs> and the more you laugh, the more he's going away, your shadow, not friend. Yeah, the evil bunny. 
Yeah. So yes, we we all need when good beings uh, work hard to tell us rise your vibration, rise your frequency by feeling centered, peaceful, and happy, and laughing and love. That's 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 n not uh, nonsense. It's really, really real. Real truth. Real truth. Truth, like, and you've experienced like, yourself. Like part of my training in the martial arts in the early eighties, I was asked to uh, lead meditation sessions with uh, uh, Tibet, Tibetan um, temples. You know, imagine having 200 monks and, and they're following you. <laughs> anyway, I don't use those alpha waves. I bring them up to gamma waves. Very different. Why I use gamma waves? When you focus on gamma, you can't help but being focused on joy. You want the joy. You want the uh, sovereignty, the independent independence, your personal power, and feel good, not sad after after it all. So focus on the happiness. And if you can develop the gamma waves in your brain, it's so much the better. So the feeling of happiness and joy and inner joy and simple laughter. Yes. You expand the gamma waves in the brain. We all have gamma waves, but um, very small amounts usually. Too much meditation is done on alpha. <coughs> why, why that is not so great is because you're expecting somebody to tell you what to do. You want to tell the energies what you want, not the other way around. So gamma waves are something that you can produce by this sensation of joy and happiness. And this rises your vibration and creates gamma waves and that radiates from you, that's what you say. And you also, yeah, you, because of that, you also raise your creativity. Mm -hmm. Far, far, far greater than uh, alpha waves. So you naturally create the gamma waves when you create this feeling of joy and happiness. And the yes. entities yes. like the mitra or the dark entities, they can't approach, it burns them. Yeah, the energy is too strong. That's why they try to scare people to... Yeah. yeah. And your gamma disappears. Yeah. yeah. And then you create something else that they feel of. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want to be reaching up to the fifth dimension and not, not falling back into the lower third. So if everyone was trying to do this, well, well the earth, earth would be very different. Yes. Yeah. 
How would you oh, yeah, you find you find the plants will grow biology. Maybe if you have a garden, you keep doing that, and uh, you, you have better flowers, better better vegetables, better fruits. Any other advice to um, create this gamma wave, radiate them? Meditation. Study in the morning. Or like what what uh, you did for me was to send me those uh, tuning forks. It used either gamma ones, and your brain will pick up on it very fast. Or alternatively, if you have a Tibetan bowl, a singing bowl, most of them are tuned to G. G. So pick one up, yes, and. Uh, Use it. Perfect. Jeans. Wonderful. Wonderful. Any kind of special hertz frequency or it's just G? No, G. Um, see, the, 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 the real Tibetan bowl is has what called seven types of metal. Gold is one of them. Gold, silver, this one, sometimes platinum as well. So uh, a real original one can be pretty pricey. But you don't have to go to all the way there. Just get one that's tuned to G. G. Mm. And this creates higher frequency and... Yes, because of where it is, when you do that, the virtual, you feel your, your, your energy centers, your chakras, it's resonating with the bowl when you do it. And uh, if you're very adventurous, get a huge one. Like what I did one time. Initially, when I used it, there was no, almost no sound. Because <laughs> I didn't have enough energy. But I learned, I learned to provided energy and, and it starts to ring like a bell and everybody's staring at me it's like making so much noise was it so loud nobody's ever made this thing ring so loud before the sensor is very energy sensitive that's impressive how how do you see the the future of humanity Full of promise. It is full of promise. Because from the time when I grew up and now, um, the time I, when I grew up, it was everybody fighting for scraps. And then those few people living like kings. But more and more I see the uh, the controls of starting to fall apart. You know, being a banker, I can tell that the, the banking system will change. And I would see that the a new kind of cryptocurrency would work. But somebody must go and uh, destroy the old first, 
meaning, to be fair, you have to get rid of the unfairness. It means crooked money. Get rid of it. And then, then this new cryptocurrency can be unbreakable. And what about, you see, the free energy? Believe in that as well. Okay, the free energy, all it requires is All it requires is one large company making use of a new technology. And the floodgates will open. Yeah. What I like to see is engines being replaced, engines and motor cars being replaced, because there will be immediate adoption by people. Everybody will want it. And they will, they, we can start very quickly. very impressive. You think what we've learned about alien technology, of course, will be integrated in our new device? It device. must. It must. It yeah. must, because they're so far ahead. Yeah. At the I very think. least, use their principles. Yeah. See, so development of um, technology is really a spiritual thing. If how spiritual you are, well, you can come this way. You can control the AI, not let AI control you. The power of the spirit it is a new age where you are, in a way, a precursor. You are. A representative of humans of the, the near future because of your developed natural abilities. And uh, what do you think? That humans would be like you? We are all like, like the same, but you have all of these abilities. You have a step ahead because it is activated. Uh, in well, once it's shown, uh just like just like the uh, Roger Bannister right? running below four four minute mile you know, all you need is one person to get started yeah yeah other people others will follow yeah yeah well we go oh one we go all as they say <laughs> yes yeah, so just it takes that somebody starts it and that's it yeah Do you see? Do you see humanity? Um, walking hand in hand, as we can say, with benevolent extraterrestrials. No, not those you've been have misadventures with, but other ones. Have you felt them near? Have you? What have you? What I? Yes, uh, I believe that it was going to happen. You, you see, people remember the nasty things more than they, they remember the, uh, the pleasant ones. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the beings that you come across your life, maybe in 80, you don't even realize that. 
they give you a little bit of advice, they give you a bit of hand, uh, you know, uh, as they say, the angels among us. I mean, I've had people give me, so-called people, giving me advice, pointing me in a certain direction, and I have no idea who they are. And uh, just a little bit later on, looking for them, I, could find, I don't know who they are. <laughs> they seem to have vanished. I think you were well looked after. Well, I mean, if you're still alive and victorious now, after all you've been through, you yes, have I mean, the, even the car, horrible accident, in trying to get rid of the metro, came away without a scratch, which was um, quite astounding because, uh, you know, all the services, emergency services, people came around and, like, expecting the worst, and here I was, nothing happened to me. <laughs> Not one scratch. Even my my friend uh, was driving the car. Not one scratch on her. So I mean, how come? You have good protection, and uh, probably benevolent um, ETs. Why not people linked to who you are, your your family? Who knows? I was thinking, thinking more of your galactic family, or... Oh, um, I wish, I wish to know them. <laughs> I, really, I really wish to know them. I'm sure they do take care of you, so... Thank you so much. Um, it's been, oh, two hours, we've been, you've been talking, you must be very oh. tired. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we... We will speak again another time. And, uh, I wouldn't like you to, to get too tired and uh, to mind yourself. So I don't know how to express my gratitude on behalf of all those who are listening for your courage and your resilience and your strength and your, your, your courage to speak now. And on behalf of everyone, we honor you and we thank you. And we are very privileged to get to hear what you have to say. Thank you so much. And is there anything you would wish, a message you would wish to pass on to humanity in these times? Thank you for your kind words. For humanity, don't lose hope. In fact, I won't say hope anymore. So look to who and what you want to be. How far do you want to go? It's not a message of hope. It's be. Thank you. Thank you very much. Gratitude. Namaste. Shortly after recording this, the individual known as Stephen Chun was found 
deceased under suspicious circumstances. While nothing is official, the consensus in the SSP community was that he wasn't careful enough with anonymity, spoke too much about specifics, as well as potentially could have spoken much more in depth and in detail, compromising the secret, as I've called it. And he was murdered, silenced by the same government that he used to work for as a soldier. Thank you all very much for listening to this presentation of Public Domain Audio. Elena Danan's interview with Stephen Chung. While not censored, it is controversial and in constant danger of being censored. And Stephen Chung did give their lives to bring us those two hours of disclosure. Thank you all very much. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. I have been the Beyond Top Secret Texan. You have been listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. Peace out. <laughs>